All right, Justin. A, B, C, D, or E? Hmm. Let me think about this for once rather than just <laughs> randomly saying something. I'm, I'm trying to think of an E. Do I have anybody that I want to add to that? Perhaps not. I do not. Wow. Man. You sat so <laughs> still, days. I thought you froze. <laughs> <laughs> really had to think about I somebody worthy not. of the list, you know? Yeah, I really had to think about I really gave it a I really gave it a thought, man. I really did. And nobody came to fruition. So you know what? G- give me some more news. What do you got? What do you got? Give me some news. Well, I do have Any a kind of news. I do have a yay story of the week. Uh, for one, I am going to start calling him Ye because that is what he wants to be called. And, you know, if we want people to respect other people who've, like, changed their names for whatever reason, you know, we should do the same for this. You know, we don't need to dead name him, you know. So I will respect okay. that because, you know, other people use that to dead name other people. And I think that that's bad. So I will call him Ye. Um, but, yeah, since the last time we had uh, Ye News of the Week, uh, he says he loves Hitler. Has been banned from Twitter again. And also says that, you know, he loves Nazis too. So. I just, uh, I just can't understand it all. Yeah. I'm lost. I just. Don't even know what to say anymore. When you go on the Alex Jones show and you make Alex Jones look sane, fuck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you have him saying, I love Hitler, and Alex Jones is like, well, let, I mean, let's be clear, like, Hitler was terrible. And he's like, nope, I love him. He did great things. And he, oh, he also denied the Holocaust because he's fantastic. He had to go for the yeah. whole trifecta there. Also denied the Holocaust. Yeah, so. that was the part I was like, I'm pretty sure I heard that he did that as well. I'm like, I didn't hear his reasoning behind why he said that that was not true. But yeah, I heard that he said that. Yep. He also weirdly said that Hitler invented the microphone. He didn't. It was a Jewish man. I'm just throwing that out there. I didn't hear that. Wow. Yeah, he said the uh, Hitler invented highways in the microphone that he records on, is what he said, you know. Uh, so, therefore, he couldn't have been that bad. He couldn't have been completely bad. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah, yeah, I remember that part of the the interview. Um, and like, I mean, I guess he's trying to make the argument that even bad people can still contribute something, but my God, man, why are you using that man to make that argument? Like of all people to use, to make that argument, you know, like. 
Yeah. Ugh. I don't know. And part of me just like at this point wants to know if like, is he doing it at this point for the like shock effect kind of thing? Or does he actually legitimately believe these things that he's saying? And he might, you know, but it just because it's just been so many things in a row and it's almost like the one the one week has upped the next the past several weeks in a row that you're just kind of like, I hope this isn't just like a ploy for him to just get attention or something. You know what I mean? Oh, that's even what Alex Jones said at one point. He's like, no, he's just saying it for shock effect. You know, like after, after Ye left and everything, like that's one of the things that Alex Jones did for a little while after that was like, oh, he's just trying to shock people, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know, man. I mean, you can only say that so many times and it just be, oh, shock value. You know what I mean? And and also on top of that, there's there's other things you can say that are shocking that aren't as terrible as those things. You know, you can say some yeah. shocking shit. You don't have to say Nazis were cool. I love Hitler. You know, and the Holocaust wasn't real. You can say other shit. You know what I mean? Like... That's a different level of just being a troll, you know? And so when you go that far, even if you are being a troll, you might as well just act. I mean, in my mind, at least you might as well just say you believe it. Like, even if you're trolling with those types of things, because if that's as far as you're going to go with it, you might as well just say you're a fucking Nazi anyway. Like, that's just kind of how it is. Mm. And like, I mean, I thought that this whole thing started with him sort of saying that there has been this con- this conspiracy among like Jewish people or the Jewish community or whoever some of the higher powers are in the entertainment industry that they've been sort of abusing or taking advantage of entertainers or black entertainers, people like that or whatever. Like I know that this started with this, with this, he was kind of touting that there's this whole like conspiracy or there are these Jewish people on top holding these people down. Well, what happened to all, like get evidence of that? If this is really happening, like if you really feel that this is happening to you and you really feel that there is some sort of conspiracy or there is some network of people and stuff like that, like why not work to gather evidence of this? Why Ooh. not try to, why not try to, you know, focus on that and try to do something about that. Or, you know, if you've got other people that could corroborate this, why aren't you talking to them? Why aren't you networking with them? Like, where did Hitler come from in all of this? Well, you know what I mean? Like, what, what, why does that, like, why did your focus become all, why are we going all the way back through history and all of that kind of stuff? If there's some truth to what you're saying and you really feel like this, why don't you focus on that? 
why don't you attack that issue that is happening today? Well, you know, because he says there is the proof. Uh, things that have happened to him are proof of this. Uh, him, him losing his family, uh, him losing the endorsement deals he's lost, him losing the money he's lost. Those are all examples to him of a Jewish conspiracy to destroy him and to destroy other black entertainers or just entertainers in general because he had the audacity to call them out. I mean, the thing is, though, is this isn't a new conspiracy theory. This is something that's been touted for a very long time. And it all has its roots in anti-Semitism. It all has its roots in Nazi propaganda. It all has its roots in so many of those things anyway, to where they just take this, these weird anecdotal stories. And then that's where like it comes from. You know what I mean? Like, Hmm. To him, the proof's already there. You're just not even seeing it because media outlets are also controlled by Jewish people. Therefore, they cover it up also. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like to him, the proof is there. You're just refusing to see it. And the reason why he goes back to Hitler and all those other things is because there is just the association of anti-Semitism and Nazism. I mean, they more or less are synonymous. And therefore, how do you defend being anti-Semitic? You defend Nazism. And Mm. those types of things. I mean, he goes about it in that regard, and it's all just repeated things. Like, the sad thing is, is so many anti-Semitic tropes that are brought up now, like the, uh, what is it, the, I want to say the Articles of the Elders of Zion or something like that, or the, oh, is it something like that? And that's brought up now, talking about how there are Jewish cabals uh, trying to kill Christians and do these terrible things and to take over governments and spread communism and all these things. They, they still talk about them now in right-wing anti-Semitic circles. That's mm. all shit from like the 1910s in Russia. The, the protocols of the elders of Zion, that's what it was. That's anti-Semitic propaganda from like 1910, 1920s Russia. It's not new. You know what I mean? Like, it's never new. They always bring up shit that's happened for so long. And that's the thing. And that's one of the things. And the reason why I bring that up is why I think that even going back to Hitler. Isn't that big of a stretch for these people? Because they're willing to go back to this other bullshit. That's even older. But also, they're they're too stupid to know the difference. I mean, when it whenever you like really break it down, they don't actually know where it comes from. You know what I mean? They don't know the history of that shit. You know, they don't know the history of where a lot of these tropes come from. 
They don't know any of that shit. Just they know it's shit that's been said forever. You know, there's the the whole thing that in the Talmud, uh, Jewish people openly hate Christ. And that's proof of it is that. It goes back to like 1910 anti-Semitic propaganda. Because in the Talmud, there's a story about a magician that wanted to curse all Jewish people. And anti-Semites took that and ran with it and were like, nope, they were talking about Jesus. And they hate Jesus. No. It's a parable about a magician. You know, and so they take these stories and they take these anecdotes and it's it, it's verbatim the same shit now. hundred years later, verbatim the same shit. People are bringing up the protocols of the elders of Zion. Like it was written fucking a week ago. It's over a hundred years old. So like that's... Like, going back to Hitler, I mean, just doesn't even surprise me. Mm. It just makes me wonder, where did this all begin? Because he never used to talk like this. So it just it just seems like this just is like the new thing that he's on. Like, like I just yeah. don't know. So that that's what's so weird about it. Like, where did this come from? Like, if it, like... It, it's not like he's, or, you know, or maybe it's possible that this was just some closeted beliefs and he just always had these beliefs and now he's just now talking about it. But that seems very unlikely. This seems like a new development with him. And and I guess that's why I'm saying, if you feel like you were wronged, then you need to indicate those people and you that should be your target and if those people have to be happen to be jewish people that wrongs you well okay you can focus on that but that doesn't mean that all jewish people why and that's what i mean by like why attack everything if it is just these people that wronged you or that you feel that you were wronged by these people if that's even the story but if that's not the story, if he if he doesn't truly believe this and this is just some BS, why do that? Like, I'm just questioning everything. Like, why target them? Why do this? If none of that really happened to him, if he didn't feel honestly that he was wronged, why target them all of a sudden? Why? Where is this coming from? Like, was he convinced of this? By somebody in well, his circle or somebody in his, like, I just question where this is coming from. How do you just wake exactly. up one day and go, the Jews did this to me? I, I just, that that's the part that I'm not getting. Right. Like, where did all this come from? Well, and I don't mean this as a knock to anybody. Part of it comes from the particular version of Christianity he has prescribed to since being mm. quote unquote boarding in. Uh, it is a type of Christianity that typically uh, prescribes itself to uh, black men in a lot of ways. 
A lot of it is essentially what is known as like the Hotep movement. Um, Kyrie Irving's been a part of that. Nick Cannon. Uh, and, and most famously now, it's it's Kanye West. It's It's got a lot of revisionist history to it. You know what I mean? They also believe that Jewish people aren't really Jewish people. Black people are the real Jewish people. And they don't also refer to themselves as Jewish. They are a Jew. There also comes to regards with some of that stuff. Uh, what's it called? There's a very specific thing. He said, oh, they tend to also call God Yahweh. Okay. They say Yahweh a lot. I know, and it's not just them. Lots of Christian communities call God Yahweh. Uh, some Jewish communities call God Yahweh. It's not new. But there, that's also another way of doing it. You know? Okay. It's, it, when it, what it boils down to is it's just a very specific subset of Christianity that takes it to those extremes. Mm-hmm. They're not the only ones that do it, but th- in that regard, they are. Like, that specific way of doing it. You know? Yeah. And it, 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 a lot of its roots and a lot of its its leaders and stuff like that do target very specifically like young influential black men. They target them. I see. So you know? it's just kind of, so it's more or less a belief of, you know, black people were actually the, the, the Jews or the chosen people, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I don't mean this in the same regard as some people do with this word, but it's Afro, it's a very Afrocentric version of Christianity. Okay. It's very specific to that. I won't name any names, but Justin, you and me know somebody and you still work with somebody that prescribes to this mindset. We can talk about it afterwards. Oh, Okay. I'm just saying, I mean, I, I can tell you who it is. I, I'm not going to out the person. You know what I mean? That's not here nor there or the purpose of any of this. You know what I mean? I'm just saying I can tell okay. you somebody we know that is this. Uh, okay. Well, to me, that's no different than, you know, white people making Christianity Eurocentric or these people making, That's I mean, they're, they're, everybody yeah. does that. Exactly. Everybody does this shit, man. It's like. it's just unfortunate that they also <laughs> take this route with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can make Christianity Afrocentric. That's not the issue. The issue in doing so is for whatever reason, more often than not, not always, I don't want to, I want to preface it with that. Just more often than not, they weirdly become anti-Semitic with it. You know what I mean? That's the weird part about it. Making it Afrocentric is not the terrible thing, because like you said, so many cultures do that. They've made it American-specific. This shit's all the way across the world, and they've made Christianity American-centric. What, how would, what would you phrase that as? You know what I mean? Like, we've weirdly, like, Patriotized. Americanized. 
Thank you, Heather. We've Americanized Christianity here. You know what I mean? So many cultures do that. That's not the new mm-hmm. thing or the bad thing or the weird thing. You know what I mean? It's just this specific subset of it tends to become or tends to show anti-Semitic viewpoints. Yeah. And that's definitely a problem. But I guess for me, the common thread always is, is that you got to look down on somebody. We know the truth. Therefore, these people are inferior. We know what the real, who the real God is. Therefore, these are all false gods. We know who, we know what the truth is. Therefore, everybody else is a liar. The common denominator always is you got to look down on somebody else. You did not tell a single lie. Dropping the fucking mic on the shit. Yeah. No, that's, that is the, ultimately the real deal. You're 100% correct. And when is anybody going to realize that's all this shit is, man? Yeah. And the sad thing is, like, most religions, if you think about it, it's supposed to be about, like, you're not better than anybody. You're just different because, you know, you you believe a specific thing. Like, nobody's supposed to be better. It's just, this is what I believe. This is what I prescribe to. But people just somehow in their minds get it to be like, oh, I believe this and you don't. Therefore, you are lower than me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm superior. It's And it's weird because, like, to me, don't get me wrong. I would not be what anybody would call a good Christian or anything. But, like, I always just remember any of those times I was forced to go to church and stuff like that, they would always say something like, we're all equal in God's eyes. You know, we're all dirty sinners. And, it, you know, the only way you're not completely terrible with that is through Jesus's love. Like I'm, I'm doing a horrible paraphrase, but you know what I mean? Like we're all equal because we're all just sinful human beings. And it's just that weird need to be like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a sinful person that's, you know, looks for redemption through Christ, but at least I'm not that fucker over there. Yeah. At least I'm not that gay person over here. At least I'm not this trans person over here. At least I'm not that black person over there. At least I'm not this Muslim person over there. At least I'm not this et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And unfortunately. Therefore, the whole point of what you were supposed to be glad you believed in is null and void. Because you're missing the point of all of it. Yeah. Which is supposed to be love, but where the hell is that all gone? And but I mean, and if you listen to any of Kanye's interview on on or shit, yay's uh, interview on Infowars, it's it is so like head swiveling because he'll say things like "I love Nazis" because to him also that's his job as a Christian is to love them anyway. I get it. It's terrible phrasing, and you know you're still saying it in that way because you know what it's going to do. But, you know, but then right after that, he'll talk about Zionists trying to destroy this and people trying to do this and destroy this. And you're like, well, you can't say that you love everyone and then just talk about how you hate people. But then he would follow it up with, well, I love them anyway, though. You're like, well, 
you can't say a bunch of terrible ass shit and then follow it up with, oh, I love him anyway. Like, it's like if you walk up to somebody and stab them and go, oh, shit, my bad. I didn't mean to stab you. You still fucking stabbed them. Like, you didn't take the stabbing away. They don't stop bleeding just because you go, oh, my bad. You know? <laughs> yeah. You, and see, though. like, to your point, too, like, and that was the part, too, that I struggled with because I was like, yeah, like the whole, you know, with the whole thing of we're supposed to love everybody because we're called to love people thing. And I'm like, is that the what he was trying to get across? Because it you he was not doing that in the way that I that he was. If that was what he was trying to do, he did not do it right. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just that was what I struggled with because I was like, I get the whole like, oh, yeah, but we love everybody. But. Like, I don't know. It's almost like you're saying like the way he said it was like he was saying, I love them because they're this thing. <laughs> it's oh, how exactly. it came across more That's than just problem. like, I love the person no matter what they've done. You're just like, no, I just I love Nazis. Like that's it just came across in that mindset more than anything else. Well, and the problem with it is also is like when it boils down to it. Worst case scenario, it should have been doing the whole thing that parents do sometimes where they're like, I love you, but I don't like you. You know what I mean? You could at (laughs) least worst case done that if you really want to be like, but I love everybody because Jesus is love. Okay. But he still straight up also said, I like Hitler. Like that did not change. Right. You know what I mean? He didn't say, I love Hitler because, you know, Jesus calls me to love everyone. I didn't like what he did, but I still love, you know what I mean? He didn't even do that. He also said, I like Hitler. You know what I mean? Like you could, you still went down that route regardless. Yeah, because I'm like, if his whole point was to be like, oh, I love them because I'm called to love them because of Jesus, he should have said that. <laughs> that's that's what he should have tried to say. Unfortunately, that's what he says about Jewish people. Mm. Unfortunately, that's what he more or less would say. He's like, you know, Zionists are the, you know, ruining the world. I love Zionists because Jesus teaches me to love. You know, he, he says that though. But he won't even give that preface for Hitler because he likes him. That's the problem. Either way, when it comes yeah. down to it, he still likes the motherfucker. Mm. Yeah. And what fucking world are we living in now? Do you remember the simpler times of like 1999 when it was just like a universal thing? Like Hitler was bad. That Don't, don't get me wrong. There were still crazy neo-Nazis out there. But it was like an understood thing. They sucked. Remember that? Yeah. Remember when Nazis sucked? Man. And now we've got people that have a platform to represent something really great or, you know, be good role models or whatever it is using that platform to spew terrible things. You also remember when everybody just understood that the earth was round, man. (laughs) <laughs> crazy times I, I mean i'm not saying there's a direct correlation but i just mm, think it's awfully mm-hmm. suspicious that all of a sudden when more people think the world is flat nazis are popular again i'm just saying <laughs> it's a weird coincidence 
crazy times we live in. Now let's talk about crazy a movie enough to where <laughs> crazy enough to where we have to have a specific yay updated section of our podcast now. <laughs> I am so glad I jumped off that train so long ago. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Oh man. Anyway, let's talk about a movie where Santa Claus kills people. Let's bring some sanity <laughs> yes. back to this fucking planet. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight, we are going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the new movie, Violent Nights. Or Violent Night. I don't know what the fuck this movie's called. Uh, we're going to go spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section. With time codes in the description to allow you to jump around if you so require. It includes both the podcast and YouTube. With all that, uh, Justin, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about this here movie? Violet Night. Well, I think that this is kind of one of those movies where it's very much a what-you-see-is-what-you-get type of movie. Like, if you saw the preview for this and you understood that the premise was okay, there's going to be this Santa Claus and he's going to be brutally and violently uh, killing these bad guys trying to steal on Christmas. And you just sort of saw the preview for this and thought, okay, that looks like a gory, just, you know, not not taking itself too seriously, kind of funny little Christmassy good time. And you and those were your impressions of the film. I think that this is kind of one of those where whatever you that that you saw in the preview, that's exactly what you get. There's no wool over the eyes when it comes to this. You're not going to go in and get some different experience than what you saw in the previews. But what I will say is that it delivers on the premise that it gives you. It promises that it's going to be a gory good time and it's just going to be fun and there are going to be some laughs and there's going to be some blood and it's going to, you know, all be wrapped in this Christmas uh, gift box and a bow. And to me, that's exactly what this movie is. Um, David Harbour, you could tell as Santa Claus was having a lot of fun making this movie. It seemed like that man was having the time of his life doing this. I mean, and he had the right kind of charisma for this. The way that Santa comes off in this and as sort of this um, Santa Claus that maybe is at the end of his rope with the Christmas spirit and whatnot, I think that David Harbour did a very good job of playing this type of St. Nick. And really he is the 
the the glue that holds this movie together. I I think I don't think this would have been as fun if he didn't buy into it. If he didn't find the script as fun as he must have. If he didn't put uh, all of him uh, all of this part this kind of funny sort of like if he didn't put that that David Harbour charisma that we know and love, if he didn't put all of himself into this, into what, into the tone of what this is supposed to be, I just honestly don't think that this would have been as fun. So his role was pivotal for this, and he nails it here. So because of him mostly, I had a good time with this. And and John Leguizamo and some of the other cast members were also very good here. I think John Leguizamo had a lot of fun with this too. Like, and and I love the scenes with him and Harbor together. Those were probably some of my uh, favorite scenes of the movie. Um, and you know, and despite all of the, you know, all of the foul language and the. Um, and, and this is Santa hacking people away and all of the bloody violent deaths and all of this kind of stuff. But under the surface of all of this, there is some of that quote unquote Christmas spirit. It does have a little bit of heart to it. It does have some, some of that cheesy kind of Christmas sappiness that I think people are in the mood for around this type of this time of year. So it's got even it's even got a little bit of that too. You know, it's got a little bit of that sprinkled in for all of you Christmas people. So um so I think that this ultimately winds up being a movie that was uh, you know, I wasn't mad that I spent money on this and watched it at the theater. I I I had some fun with it. I had some laughs with it. Um, some of the fight choreography and the gory stuff was fun and it was good. And there were some interesting things that happened. There's some callbacks to some other Christmas classics in this, I think like die hard and home alone. And some of them are obvious, but some of them I was like, okay, this is like, if you know, bad Santa and the Santa Claus and home alone had a baby. Maybe this is what (laughs) the child would be. But, you know, uh, um, so all of that is kind of in here, too. So, yeah, um, I won't say that this is a surprise movie of the year or anything like that, but it probably was more fun than I expected it to do, uh, than I expected it to be. And overall, I, I had a pretty good time with this. I thought it was all right, man. Not a bad time at the movies. Heather, what about you? Yeah, this was an oddly kind of fun movie, I think. I think there was a lot of um, juxtaposition in this movie that made it amusing. Like, just kind of the the backdrop of this, like, inspirational Christmas time, you know, family thing going on in the background. While up front, there's, like, all of the violence and everything happening with Santa Claus. So... I think that was kind of a fun play with this because it it just, it just made some, some really amusing moments happen. So I thought that was kind of funny. Um, I do think that you, you were talking about David Harbour, Jason in this role and like, 
there is, I think, probably, yeah, just the best word to describe David Harbour in general, I think, is charismatic. There is just some kind of charisma about him that whatever movie he's doing, he brings some kind of something to it where you're just like, I don't hate it. I just don't hate it. And I honestly don't know if there's anybody who could have done this particular version of Santa Claus quite the way that he did it and make it work the way it did. So, um, and I do appreciate that because he, he just kind of brought his own little flair to it. And I think it was the exact flair that it needed to make this movie work the way it does. Um, there were some really funny moments with certain scenes that they do that are callbacks, but done in a, um, more modern way to kind of, I think partially to, um, I don't know if I'd say poke fun at, but kind of poke fun at some old classics, but, um, just kind of do it in a, in a, a way that might be a little bit more realistic in some ways. Um, <laughs> they, it's just, and the family dynamics, I mean, you know, it's this family that's, it, they're kind of dysfunctional in some ways. And so you want to see sort of what plays out with that whole thing and what that whole thing is about. Um, but yeah, I think it, it had a really crazy amount of gore and violence, I would say for a Christmas movie. Um, but yeah, it just, because of the backdrop and the juxtaposition of what was going on, um, in the type of story it was, it, it made it really entertaining, I think. So yeah, I, I, I would say that I'm leaning more towards I enjoyed this than, more than I didn't enjoy this. As the resident angry looking Santa. I mean, parts of this movie were a little weird for me. Not the violence, not the vulgarity, none of that. That's fine. I honestly, I, I thought this movie had a pacing problem. And a lot of it had to do to me whenever it did some of your more traditional cheesy Christmas movie bullshit. I think at times, not every time, but at times they would slow the movie down. And I get the point of it and I'm not necessarily angry at the point of it. But pacing wise, I felt like it slowed things down because Instead, instead of telling those those stories while like moving or trying to do things also, they came at very stationary points in the movie. And they would slow everything down for those moments. And I thought that there was just better ways you could have done that. Outside of that, though, I mean, I thought the movie was fine. I think... I, I like what you said, Justin. This movie is a surprising movie in in some regards. It's not as weird as it made sound. Like the whole premise of Santa, you know, going all John Wick on people does sound a little crazy. But the way they do this movie, it, it more or less kind of works. They They do a good job of making their ridiculous premise actually feel a little less ridiculous with how they actually do the movie. Um, it's surprising. It's not, but it's not as surprising as say something like 
the menu. Like that was just a genuinely surprising movie on all fronts, you know, but like this was surprising in that regard of like you said, Justin, like you, you paid money for it. You went and saw it in the theaters and you're like, all right, I didn't waste my time on that. And that's coming from a, a, a guy that's, this isn't my first time seeing Santa kill people in a movie. Yep. You know, I've seen it before. There's plenty of that. Yeah, there's another movie. What was what was it called, Justin? Christmas Bloody Christmas. Yep. Yeah. There's a. This isn't even the only murder Santa movie of the season. <laughs> nope. Oh, that's the new one, right? Yeah. Christmas Bloody Christmas is the new one coming out. Yeah. Okay. Santa Slay is the other one I was talking about. Uh, you know there are multiple you know movies with that idea. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, that wasn't the craziest thing in the movie. <laughs> but I guess you could say this one for just, it's kind of a pun intended, but I guess this one just had a little magic to it. Oh, you know? fuck right off, you son I of a bitch. I don't understand it all. <laughs> just like the David Harbour character. But it had some of it, man. It just had some of it. It just had some of that 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 pixie dust that worked. It just had some of the stuff. You it know, just that, had some of the juice, man. That was actually one of my favorite parts of the movie, Justin. Where they had some Christmas bullshit, and even Santa going, "I don't even know how the fuck it works." Yep. Instead of giving me some bullshit explanation like any other Santa movie does. You know, they yeah, just I like went, that a lot. They too. just went, nah, I don't even get it either. It's just, you know, Christmas magic. I actually appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm not going to lie, from a story writing perspective, Christmas magic can be some bullshit. <laughs> Especially if you try to explain it. Yeah. You know what? If you try to explain what any other movie would just call Christmas magic, you're fucked. Because it's nonsensical bullshit. You know? So I I kind of appreciate it that they're just like, nah, you got me too. I don't know. Shit just happens. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? That's probably the best explanation you're going to get. So run with it. Um... But, I mean, it's just, there are times, like I said, the movie has a weird problem. Because, you know, it, it, it was so weird for me. And and David Harbour did, did a good job of playing both versions of Santa. Violent Santa and sincere Santa. But just when this movie goes from, you know, Die Hard into Miracle on 34th Street, it's fucking jarring. The hard turn, yeah. That's a great way to put it because it totally does do that at times. Yeah. It's just like, it's jarring. And like I said, those were my least favorite parts of the movie when it would do that. But overall, it is all right. It's probably, you know, my top 25 Christmas movies. Don't ask me to name any others. <laughs> but I'm, 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 I'm assuming this could be in the top 25. 
I actually almost just assume any like violent version of a Christmas movie would be your favorite. So I assume it'd be top three, you know, but fair enough. Like we said, though, Heather, this isn't even the only violent Santa movie of the season. I don't know. Christmas Bloody Christmas could be an all-timer. But I feel like any version of a Christmas movie where it's just like something violent happening instead of just the normal happy Christmas stuff, you're going to like it better automatically. See, Heather, to me, you're just saying, how do you say you haven't seen Santa Slay without saying you haven't seen Santa Slay? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Okay. I'm just saying I've seen it. It can get yeah. bad. You know how like some people say like any pizza, like even bad pizza is okay because it's pizza. Like that does not apply to homicidal Santas. <laughs> there is such thing as a bad homicidal Santa. Just ask Bill Goldberg. Although... Is a bad homicidal Santa still better than just a normal Christmas movie for you? Not gonna lie, I'd probably watch Santa Slay again before Miracle at 34 Street. <laughs> okay, there we go. I'd probably watch it before I watch Elf. I don't like Christmas. And of the violent kind of Christmas movies, like if you wanted to lump all those movies in like a genre of sorts or like these kind of off brand sort of like violent Christmas movies. This probably is one of the better ones for me. I mean, definitely of this like bad Santa Claus or whatever, like do something crazy with Santa Claus gimmick things. It's probably one of the better ones, you know? Yeah. I mean, if we're just doing a lumping of violent Christmas movies though, I'd probably actually swing Gremlins. Oh, Gremlins would be like up there at the top. Grim- like now you're talking like I know everybody like the, the the default answer is Die Hard. And don't get me wrong, I'm not mm. trying to say Die Hard's a bad movie. My personal taste though, I lean more towards the Gremlins. You know what I mean? Like I'm just saying, if you went Sterling, you have to watch a violent Christmas movie today. But you can pick it, anyone you want. You know, just like Dennis, nine out of ten, I'm gonna times I'm gonna go Gremlins. Mm-hmm. You know, that just scratches my particular version of a violent Christmas itch. Either that or as a, a, a classic that Justin brought up in our Chicago episode, maybe a Home Alone. Might go a Home Alone. It's a, it's a PG Christmas violence. But still, not a bad one though. It's still yeah, violent as fair. fuck though. If you look at it, I mean, it's yeah. violent my, as fuck. They that's just one of my favorite ones though. They that, just that, took that, Mortal that Kombat. They just took Mortal Kombat and turned off blood like on the original SNES version. That's all they did <laughs> in that movie. But it's there. It's still violent as shit. Oh yeah, like that, the scene when he has, when he steps on that nail. Like I still can't even fully watch that part. It just is so cringy to me. So, yeah, you're right. And, like, some of it is so stupid now when you go back and watch it. Like, I mean, I still love the movie. But when you go back and watch it, like, I laugh now at some of the just stupid stuff. Like, him 
cutting the TV all the way up and people thinking that it's an actual it's a gun. person. And, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and people going, oh, oh, and it's like, dude, you can tell when it's a TV. <laughs> dude, that motherfucker like, is lighting funny, black, black cats. He's lighting yeah. black cats. And the pizza guy just runs away. Nobody yeah. calls the cops. Like, he's not going, there's a homicidal maniac living in that house. Yeah, shooting I'm, everything. If I'm at work and somebody shoots at me, or I at least even just assume somebody shot at me, I'm calling somebody. Because if you're willing to just shoot at a random employee, what if there were children in the house? You got to call somebody. He ordered a cheese pizza. No grown adult just orders a cheese pizza unless you're me in a very specific mood. I still will do that every once in a while. <laughs> Sometimes it just hits that spot. I'm like, man, I want a childhood favorite of mine. I don't want just pizza. I want to eat like I'm six. So you know there's a child there if they're ordering a cheese pizza. That's all I'm saying. And this that pizza delivery guy just goes, man, I feel bad for that kid in there with the guy with the machine gun. Oh, well, on to the next house. But I still get yeah. it. It's a fun movie, though. Yeah, and there's no way they would have got all the way on that plane and halfway in the air and not realized he was there. You know, there's just, if you really want to pick it apart, you can, but it's, I love that movie. It's it's great. It's one of those it's movies. Great. Does it hold up to scrutiny? Not at all. But is it a fun fucking ride? Hell yeah, it is. Yeah, it had the magic, man. It's got the magic. Dog. If you ever want to convince me of Christmas magic, it might be Home Alone. Yep. <laughs> uh, anyway, recommendations and scores? Yeah. yeah. Recommendations and score. Uh, Heather, what about you? Um, I recommend it in the sense that I thought it was entertaining. I mean, obviously you have to be all right with, you know, violence and whatnot, but yeah, I recommend it. It was, it was a fun, enjoyable time at the movies. Um, kind of like what you guys said, like I didn't leave it thinking, Oh, I wasted time here. Uh, I do think I, I agree with you a little bit, Sterling, that the pacing a little bit, um, kind of was slower in some parts than I would have liked. But otherwise, it was, there's just something about the way that David Harbour played this Santa Claus that worked. It just really kind of worked. And the the way they tell the story, and I think that most of the time, the, the jokes um, and the dark humor of it kind of worked, uh, mostly. So, yeah, it, it, it was fun. It was... Um, I don't think there's anything particularly I'd say, oh, this part is outstanding or something about this movie shines brighter than any other anything, even, you know, horror wise, slasher wise, Christmas wise. <laughs> but it was, it was fun. It was a fun watch. And yeah, I, I don't really think that you would regret seeing it because there's just something, there's some kind of dark magic about it. Jason, some kind of dark magic about it. <laughs> um, yeah. Are you I, saying I think this is good. like Satan Santa movie? 
(laughs) (laughs) It's just like, it's magic, but it's violent magic maybe is what I should say. I don't know. Um, But yeah, I would say it's worth a watch for sure. At least once Um, I could see it being one of those where someone's like, this is like a, I'd want to watch it for Christmas every year. I could see people doing that and I wouldn't be opposed to it or surprised by it. Um, I'm going to give this movie, I'm going to go with um, 70, there should be more Santas with ponytails out of 100. It's not just a ponytail, that's a man bun. A man bun, yep. I feel like it was done a couple of different ways in the movie, but there should also be more Santa man buns. Yes. That's fair. Justin, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to recommend it too. I mean, obviously this is not a Christmas family movie. I I mean, obviously it's not. Well, I don't know. Some families, there were families in there. What am I talking about? We're in 2022. There are families that will take every single member to this and be just totally fine with that. But in the traditional Christmas family sense, no this is not that, you know, this is definitely a little more adult. This is definitely a lot more violent and gory. So it felt like more of an adult good time than it does a family good time. So I would just, you know, caution that if that is a concern for you. But um, overall, I thought it was pretty fun, man. You know, it's not the greatest time at the movies, but I had fun with this. I, it got me to laugh a few times. I liked the violence and everything like that. And like I said, man, it had some of that Christmas magic too. I get what Sterling was saying about the pacing. And yes, the balance of, like you said, going from Die Hard to Miracle on 34th Street, not all of it comes together perfectly. But but I applauded that most of it does. Like it landed in those sentimental parts. And, and that's kind of very hard to do. You know, a lot of times with the movie like this, you, you start with that violent premise and you got to kind of keep it there. You know, you kind of can't go to the Christmas magic heart stuff because you kind of have to keep it in, in a certain lane. And this sort of challenged itself to kind of do both. You know, we're going to switch and go to this lane. Then we're going to come back into the violence. Then we're going to come back and give you some Christmassy, sappy stuff. And it manages, probably because the acting was so good, it manages to, for me to walk out and go, okay, you know what? All right. I'm cool with what happened in this movie. It at least got me there. You know, it wasn't all in my Christmas feels, but, you know, it at least got me to where I think the movie wanted to get me, which was satisfied. I was satisfied with what I got. So, yeah, I recommend it. We'll give it 70. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. It's it's not high enough to be like a B, a B but it's not low enough. I don't want to give it a 60. I think 70 is right where this lands. So yeah, 70. It's passable. Yeah. Yeah. 70 uh Scrooge Leguizamo's stabbing you in your back. 
out of 100. I mean, for the most part, I agree with you guys. I think it does the violent Christmas stuff very well. And I do somewhat agree with you, Justin, that the sentimental Christmas moments it has, it does very well. My problem is it doesn't really completely succeed when it comes to algamating those two together. Mm-hmm. The turns are a little too hard. But I agree. The moments like that Santa has with the daughter when they're on the radio, those are actually really great Christmas movie moments. They yeah. genuinely do it well. It's just such a hard turn. And then it's just another hard turn right back into the violence. You know what I mean? It's just, there's no smoothness in the turns. It's all just jerky. But I'll say this, in the end, you arrived at your destination. It might not have been the smoothest ride, but you made it there. So you do have to give it credit for that. And it was in a nice car, at least. You know what I mean? It's like you were yeah. in a very jerky ride, in a, at least in a BMW. You know what I mean? Like, it's still at least a nice car. Yeah, the yeah. AC worked. Yeah. You know, the car never stopped or anything like that. Just a little you know? jerky. Kind of like riding like a good roller, like wooden roller coaster. It's still a good yeah. roller coaster, but it's it's very jerky. Yeah, and it sounds like it could break at any moment. Yeah. You know, but still a roller coaster. It's still fun. You know? Yeah. It's that. This is just a good wooden roller coaster. But since I am slightly Scrooge, Christmas moments don't matter to me as much. So, I'll give it a 65. Still good. It's still there. I just can't. I do think. Yeah. I I do think it's like I completely agree about like how much of a hard turn those were. But I did think there were some really funny moments, whether they meant for it to be or not. I thought they did mean for it to be where it's like something really violent happening. But then they've got that real inspirational like Christmas music playing behind it. In the middle of just like this real violent stuff. And I thought that was really actually kind of funny. But otherwise, I do completely agree about like how jarring it turns. Yeah. All right, guys. Our Cinescore. Our official Cinescore. It's a 68. Still good. Still passing. That's all right. Yeah. You know. I mean, um, honestly, that's that's very good for a Christmas movie for you, Sterling. So I'll take it. Are you saying? Are you saying I'm, I'm Grinchian? I am. Yes. I I call bullshit on that and on any Scrooge comparisons, because both of those motherfuckers are soft and changed in the end. I don't. How did I know you were about to say that? <laughs> <laughs> my anti-Christmas hatred is ever long. Just saying. Yeah. You just need to have some Christmas magic happen to you. Like what, Justin? Just name one thing that you think would convert me into a a Christmas lover, if you will. What would make my heart grow three times? What if they made all Christmas movies like they made violent versions of them? See, no, that would get and ruined. Them, okay. 
Yeah, I don't know. It would have to be something like on, you know, on, on maybe on like on uh, Christmas morning or something, you wake up, there's a knock at your door and it's Keanu Reeves and he's wearing his John Wick suit. And he's like, you know, I heard that you were one of my biggest fans and I just wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas. And that's it. He doesn't come in. He doesn't sit down. You don't get to talk to him any further than that. He just wishes you a Merry Christmas. And he walks off. And as he's walking off, you're like, this is the greatest thing to ever happen to me. And for a moment, you're going to go, man, maybe Christmas just isn't so bad. And that's it. It's over. And you'll revert back and go, nah, what am I thinking? Christmas sucks. But for that moment, you will go, it's not so bad. And you will have lost, sir, in that moment. And you (laughs) will never admit that, but it will happen. The magic will have happened to you. See, the funny thing is, is Justin, it was a slightly trick question. Because you're right. If something like that were to happen, my heart would grow three times. The problem is, is it still be too fucking small to give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) So. I would still be like, oh, bah humbug. I would just say bah humbug with a slightly happier tone. (laughs) (laughs) Just slightly more joyous with my humbuggery. But what if right after that, the same thing happened and it was like Kelly Clarkson at your door? I'd have a whole different set of thoughts. <laughs> Just but saying. your bah humbug would still be a little bit lighter even then. So. Wouldn't be thinking about Christmas in the slightest at that point. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Anyway, spoilers. Yeah. Yes. Spoilers. These buttons on the new mixers are so sensitive. <laughs> I just had my hand on it. I didn't mean for it to go off so early. I feel like a child again. Just so sensitive and goes off too soon. It worked though. It was like right on time. Um, spoilers. Uh, I was actually kind of surprised that he was actually Santa. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I like, I, and I didn't know. I've only think, I think I've only seen like one trailer for this. Or maybe a teaser. Like, I just knew what it was. You know what I mean? So I don't know if they give it away at any point in the promotional material or any of that stuff. I was not expecting him to actually be Santa. So that threw me. I mean, that threw, I mean, it was a pleasant surprise. You know, but it, that threw me off. And I'm, But I liked how they got it out of the way at the beginning. I like how they weren't just being like, is he or isn't he? Maybe we don't know. He could be, you know what I mean? Like most movies would do that bullshit. Yeah. I like how they get it out of the way at the beginning where you, you know, he's just like, you think he's just like a mall Santa until he's on a sleigh throwing up on a barmaid, you know? Uh, So I liked that. I thought they handled that uh, really well. And like I said, I, I liked that he just, he didn't even understand Christmas magic. He somehow, got endowed with it and he's just like hey it just it is what it is i appreciated that i do though think my favorite scene in the movie was the realistic home alone scene that was tight man that was funny that was great the way they did that the setup how 
one thing happened and it led to another thing happening. And then finally you get the big payoff for all of it at the end. That was great. Great homage to Home Alone. And I like and how man, they... Man, that looked, that looked painful too. Right? That looked quite painful. But I like how they set it up to be... To seem like some traditional Home Alone bits. That just went in a different route. Like with the nail on the ladder. You're like... And you see... And then they show you the cut step. And you're like, oh, he's going to like... Break the step and his foot's going to land on the nail. You know what I mean? That's what you think is going to happen. You think they're going to legitimately do a Home Alone. Mm-hmm. And it goes to the bottom of that man's mouth. Yeah. And you're just like, okay. That was wild. Okay. I see you, Home Alone. And then he lands on that that piece of paper of nails and drill bits and just utter carnage. It just, yeah, that was crazy. It was just, it was a weirdly delightful scene. You know, it's like they turned the blood on for Home Alone because everything she was doing was Home Alone. And I, I did appreciate that because it's kind of that weird thing that all kids have after your first time watching Home Alone. You have those weird like daydreams that you're like, I could do that. Yep. <laughs> And, you know, they, in the movie, it's canonical that she had just seen Home Alone the night before and then goes and pulls a Home Alone. Yeah. And I really like the daughter. She was another probably MVP in this. Like, I, I think that daughter had to be good. And she was. I don't even know what the uh, the actress's name is, but... She was good in this. She was another uh, pleasant surprise in this. I thought that she was really good. She was very good. Like those scenes like you were talking about with David Harbour. Like, and I think that's why some of that Christmas sappiness succeeded. Well, two things. Because we, he was actually Santa Claus. So him having some sentimentality and hearing this kid believed in him and stuff like that you could understand how that would affect him. It should affect him. If you're the real Santa Claus, that, that's that got to be some of the driving motivation. So from a story aspect, it worked. But then her and David just fed off of each other well, man. So it all just sort of worked like narratively and just what the actors were doing. Yeah, and they weirdly had great chemistry with barely being on the actual screen together. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the same set, like, you know, and that, and that's a testament. I mean, you would, you kind of expect that from somebody like David Harbour because we know he's a good actor. We've seen him do good acting. We know he's good. We know what he's capable of. But then you have this young, this young girl come on. I've never seen her anything. I don't, like you said, I don't know where she's from. And she has great chemistry with David Harbour. That's just as much of a credit to to that level. Yeah. You know, that that's a testament of what she's able to do. And it it really kind of worked. And I mean, David Harbour, yeah, was probably my favorite person in this movie. I right up there with John Leguizamo. Because John Leguizamo brings it. I love that man. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna say he does no wrong. I've seen plenty of his movies to know he can. But <laughs> yeah. But I like I 
he makes me feel good about giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Because when he's, when he's on, you're like, fuck yeah. Some John Leguizamo. You know what I mean? He's actually the epitome of giving benefit of the doubt. Like, he is that guy. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And he was the best thing in Spawn. Just the best thing in Spawn. Uh, Yeah, he's definitely one of those actors where he'll probably go down as one where he was way more talented than the way Hollywood sort of treats him or sees him. He's going to probably go down as one of those guys, man. Like a really talented dude that I don't think, I don't know if he will ever get the recognition that he should get, but, um, and, and that's a lot of actors and actresses in Hollywood, I guess, but he's definitely on that list to me. Very underappreciated. Yeah. He's just one of those actors where, especially later in his career, very early in his career when he was younger, Sometimes the movie is bad because of him. I mean, well, I won't say because of him, but he, he it's just a bad movie. Like he doesn't even elevate his part. But as his career went on, even if he's in a bad movie, I'm never going, man, John Leguizamo ruined that movie. Right. Like he's never the worst part in any of, of his movies. You know what I mean? He does his job, even if it's a bad movie. That's true. And there's something to be strangely, said about that. Strangely enough, I think with him too, like, because I know he's done a lot of movies where he's, you know, it's supposed to be a comedy and all that. I think he's funny when he's not like when he's being like a, he's not in a comedy movie, but he's just being funny in a normal movie. Like, I just think he's better doing it in that way. Like, because he has like a very subtle sarcastic type of humor to him that works in a lot of roles he does. And I think that he's better and he's funnier in those instances when, the, than when he's like supposed to be the comedic lead of whatever movie he's in, if that makes sense. I get what you're saying. But I mean, this, uh, that, that young actress though, she's definitely up there as one of the highlights of this movie. Yeah. You know, and you know, Leah Brady, I think that was her name. Leah Brady, yeah. There you go. She was she was definitely one of the highlights. And I'm I'm kind of more apt to maybe keep an eye out for her being in more things now. You know, if I see her, I might go, okay, yeah. I might give this a chance. If it's not, you know, if it's some random movie, I might give it more of a chance if she's in it. Just to see, because for her being so young, I I mean, for the most part, especially in movies like this, kids tend to be the the downside of a movie like this. Like, mm. what happened from when we were kids to now that kids all of a sudden can act? Like, kids were shitty actors when we were younger. I don't give a fuck. They were all shitty. Now they're well, all... The Goonies. <laughs> huh? But what about the Goonies? Do you not remember our episode on the Goonies, Jason? I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) And it's mainly because it's just a bunch of kids. (laughs) I mean, it's just, yeah, don't get me wrong. There were, there were some good kid actors out there. You know what I mean? Like there were some, like if you really want to look at it, as far as a bunch of kids being the leads of a movie, 
the Goonies probably is on the better side of things. Yeah. You know? Well, I'm trying to think of who was actually good. I, I think it's I, it's fair to say Macaulay Culkin was good when he was a kid. I, I think he's yeah. good. I could see it. I think he was good. I think he did enough because when you watch Home Alone and then you watch The Good Son where he's like the psycho, yeah. jealous kid, I was like, damn. So yeah. I think he was good. Well, um, it's it's and Elijah, the movie? other guy, the My other girl? kid in that movie, Elijah Wood or whatever. He was good as a kid. Yeah. It's well, all right. It's, it's, it's where you can see the difference between kids just being in a movie because they need kids and kids that are actually giving a performance. Yeah. Macaulay yeah. Culkin, you're right, could give a performance. You know? But that used to kind of be the exception back in the day. Like, mm-hmm. I know technically yeah. didn't, like, Shirley Temple win an Academy Award or some bullshit, whatever. Or I think, or Anna Paquin did when she was, like, a kid for the pianist or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you really look at it, that's the exception. Like, go watch some bullshit, like, movie from when we were a kid. More often than not, the kid actors suck. Yeah. And that's why they give them these just weird, stereotypical like fucking yeah. roles, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, oh, play the, you know, the scared nerd character. Play the bully character. Just play one-dimensional characters. Where if you take like the whole ensemble of kids, they would actually form one human. Yeah. Because they're so single-faceted. <laughs> yeah. And, and and maybe that's the case. Maybe it really was that writers just were writing one faceted characters, so that's the type of performances we got. That is that, that that's an argument that could be made, I suppose. But I I just feel like nowadays, like kid actors don't annoy me as much as they used to. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think I started thinking that kid actors could be good until Haley Joel Osment. To be honest with you, I could see that. You know, because he was really good. Yeah, like I said, it's just it feels like it used to be the exception, and now I kind of feel like we've been getting just a ton of great performances. Like what's her name, McKenna Grace? Yep. She was in Ghostbusters yep. Afterlife. Afterlife. You know, she mm-hmm. has that movie with Chris Evans. I'm not saying it's necessarily a great movie or anything, but she does good in it. You know, like yep. mm-hmm. Abigail Breslin in uh, Little, Little Miss, Miss Sunshine. Sunshine. Yeah, she's fantastic. You know, so I mean, it's just. I don't know. That's kind of the crazy thing that as I get older, weirdly enough, kids now know how to act. It is weird because I also think about like literally the entire cast of it and the entire cast of Stranger Things. They're all just so talented. It's insane. They're not kids anymore, but even when they were younger, they were so good. Yeah, I agree. But no, I mean, I I think that's a, a a good sign of things to come. I hope to see her in more movies. I mean, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, when it boils down to this movie, I mean, I I just want to state once again, it's just so weird when it's like Santa murdering somebody, stabbing somebody in the eye with a Christmas star, and lighting it on fire by plugging it in, and seeing a man's face melt off. That was crazy. And then two minutes later, <laughs> he's telling a girl about the story of like his mixed relationship with his wife or whatever the, or like, you know, his mixed yeah. emotions towards Christmas. 
You know what I mean? Like, it's just so weird. And they just do not handle those transitions that well. And it's it's even more baffling when the scenes are good. Like, those were good action scenes. And those were good dramatic scenes. And I'm like, you just one smooth turn. Just one. They were just like, you're driving down the road. You know that meme where it's like, you know, it's like the uh, hatchback or the station wagon. It's like obviously making that hard turn for an exit ramp. Like that was every transition in this movie with that shit. (laughs) Just all of them were like, yeah, action, 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 soft spot. And then you're all soft spot, soft spot, soft spot. That's a hard thing to say fast. Soft spot. And then it's just bam, action. You're just like, holy shit. But, I mean, in the end, at least they were good scenes, you know? And if if the worst thing in your movie is truly your transition between scene types and it causing some pacing issues, that's not the worst thing in the world. Because at least succeeding at those moments at least kept me engaged in the movie. I might have felt like I was being jerked around. But... At least I cared enough at the end. You know what I mean? To like be like, oh, well, I just kept getting jerked around. Because normally if the scenes weren't that good, if the action set pieces weren't that good and the dramatic pieces weren't that good and I was getting jerked around, I would have been utterly miserable. Because you're getting jerked around and then you end up feeling like for what? Like you're going to this dramatic moment, but it's boring and sucks. Oh, you're going to this action set piece, but it's boring and sucks. So at least they succeeded on that regard. Uh, Justin, what about you? Where are some thoughts from you? Well, and then it's funny because like, because he was actually Santa Claus, I like how they just sort of had fun with the whole lore of it. Like how he was like a murderous hammer wielding Viking or something and in his past life, but I guess somehow was chosen or got a second chance or something like that. So now he's, so he's just been Santa Claus. I thought that that was interesting. I I thought that that was kind of, you know, and they didn't bother to explain it. They didn't have to explain who chooses this or how does the magic choose you or anything like that? But yeah, he's I calling out the I, Santa Claus. If anybody's asking. Oh, like the, the, Tim, oh, like the Tim Allen movie, the Tim Allen. I was just making okay. a joke. Cause you, like, that's the whole premise of that movie is that the magic chooses him essentially. Right. I was just making it. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Like, yeah, cause the coat and everything. Yeah, that is true. But like, they didn't say all of that, but Still, it was kind of like, it was kind of cool that this murderous man got a second chance and just sort of like, for whatever reason, and just sort of got into the role and enjoyed it, but was sort of coming down on what Christmas was and what it was about and stuff like that. So I don't know. There was something about that that I just liked. I just liked how they did that. They didn't try, like you said, to bog you down with stupid explanations, but 
they gave you just enough for you to kind of find it interesting. And that, and that also, now we understood why he could kill people. Now we understood why he sort of could do this, you know, rather than it just being, he's jolly old say, Nick never done this in his life, but today, you know, there's a child in need and now we're going to have killer Santa Claus. I just like, it gave uh, layers without being too like movie expo about it, you know, kept it mysterious enough, but you still had some of those things and like the whole magic bag and he can pull out anybody's presence. That was kind of fun. I liked how his list, (laughs) like when for the naughty people, the words were like all like flamey looking and kind of had a different like fiery display on in the font and stuff. And then when it was good people and I liked also too, how it would flash words of why that person was naughty or nice, you know, like for Leguizamo, a lot of things were revealed that we didn't know. Killed his best friend, did, you know, stole from his family, did this, did that. I like, that was a nice touch too. Just little thing. Like I said, man, this movie just has some of the magic. It did some of that Christmas stuff, but it just, it just had a way of presenting some of these things, whether it was the Santa Claus, the naughty or nice list, all of that kind of stuff. It just had a way of doing things where you were like, okay, cool. Let's, run with that. So I thought all of that was cool. Um, the, the family, the, the dysfunctional family and the, the stealing from each other and all of that kind of stuff, you know, uh, while it wasn't the most entertaining thing, none of those family members were my favorites, but they didn't sink the ship, so to speak. You know, some of those conversations were funny sometimes the, 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 they would have funny interactions. The mother, I should have really looked up some of these actors and actresses. But that was Beverly D'Angelo. Are you talking about the, the grandmother? Yes. The grandmother, Beverly, Beverly D'Angelo. D'Angelo. Yeah. Gertrude. I thought she was cool. She was all right. I liked her. I liked her as I liked her. Um, I thought that she was good. Um, she was kind of, she played that role perfectly, you know, for what it was. And I mean, I can't really say anything bad about the other family members either. I think everybody was about what they needed to be to get us to our destination, as you said earlier. So everybody turned in a respectable performance, but obviously the, the, the daughter and David Harbour are the standouts, but everybody else I thought too was respectable. I wasn't mad at their scenes and some of the scenes I even found entertaining and laughed at them. So all of that was, um, was cool too. Um, and I thought that that final showdown with Scrooge and Santa, um, you know, him and Leguizamo, I I thought all of that was great, man. The, you know, starting inside the building, then we, then the building's on fire and then we're outside and, you know, we're, we're fighting with fire in the background. I thought all of that was fine. You know, all of that was good stuff. And, um, even the, 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 the snow sleds chase before that and all of that kind of stuff. Like, you know, there was just a lot of 
interesting set pieces to this. There were a lot of fun action sequences. And so they never really did the same thing twice. So they kept that interesting. Uh, And the last thing I'll say too is in some of those fights, I like how it wasn't so easy for him all the time. Like he really struggled with some of these trained thief (laughs) killer people. I like how some of them gave him problems. Like he, like it looked like Santa actually had to struggle and stuff like that. You know, whether he was being thrown out of a building fighting somebody or somebody like having him on the brink of death and him just sort of pulling a rabbit out of a hat, so to speak, and surviving or using his magical teleportation to escape or whatever it was. Like I liked how like hard it was for him, you know? And then when he finally got his hammer weapon, I I like how much better he was with that. You know, that seemed like a big deal when he got that sledgehammer and it was kind of harking back to his old times. And then suddenly the, 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 the John wick part of him came out when he had that hammer. But I like how there was kind of a build to that. We saw him struggle with some people. And then finally, when he got that hammer, he was like a lot better with his weapon of choice. So all of that was, was cool to me, you know, good storytelling within the, 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 the storytelling, you know, just another read, just little things like that. I think is why most of this movie works. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I do. I do really like the, this weird contrast that it has of, it still gives you those Christmas movie morals, (laughs) but just in a real weird way. Like even when, you know, that final showdown with John Leguizamo and he sees like his naughty and nice list and he's like, you really are Santa. Well, now I got to kill you. Like, it's like he still learned like, oh, Santa's real for real, but I still hate him and I'm going to kill him. Like, just like those weird, like things that you learn in Christmas movies that are very cliche, but done in a just humorous way to fit the violent part of what the movie is. Um, And I just thought that was kind of funny. And like, even like with the whole Christmas magic is a big part of it. But also he's like, I don't know how it works. It just does like, and then how it would not work when he needed it to. And so that's why he got beat up half the time, you know, and like the whole idea of the girl wanting her parents to get back together. And then that whole story of, Oh, my Christmas wish came true, but it's because they, you know, lined up together because they hated their family. (laughs) It's just the very like funny reasons and ways that they make those like, Christmas points of of movies happen in this movie. I just thought was really amusing. Um, it was just kind of creative to do it in that way, I think. And yeah, dysfunctional family dynamic, that's a big thing for Christmas movies for sure. But I thought it was funny that their whole moment of coming together was actually when the, those three, the son and his mom and the grandma were all killing the one elf, <laughs> just like repeatedly stabbing him. And that's like, <laughs> That was, or no, the, I'm sorry, the, the, the wife, the, the daughter's mom, and then the sister-in-law and her son. Yeah. And it was just like, that was their moment of, we respect each other and we're coming together to do this thing. Like of all the things that made them, you know, connect on Christmas, that's what it was. 
I just thought that was really funny and ridiculous at the same time. Um, I also liked the, I think that the henchmen, uh, John Logosamo's henchmen were good characters. Um, I thought that the guy that was the elf was really funny and like he was making fun of the son, you know, and like punch him in the face and he's like, hashtag blessed or whatever he was. He said, um, I, I just, I thought that that they were, they served a really good purpose in the movie. And, um, I agree. I think that realistic home alone scene was really well done because it's not like it's completely ripping off what happened, but you're just like, no, this is probably really what would have happened if, if somebody really tried to do the home alone situation. Um, and I also really just enjoyed the aspect of nothing like was throwing off Santa Claus. Like he was like, there was this home invasion and there was these gunshots and that was like, Oh no, I need to, you know, make sure everyone's safe. But he was just totally fine with like, Nope, you're a bad person. I'm just going to kill you. You're on my naughty list. I'm fine with it. I got to kill you right now. <laughs> like, Just no qualms about it in any sort of way or just not even like weirded out by, you know, like what needed to happen to survive this situation. And he was just very go with the flow Santa in a way. And it was just really funny. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just, I think it worked. And like, also during the fight scene between Scrooge and Santa at the end, when he like completely just brings him up the chimney and just annihilates him as he's going up the chimney. Um, or no, what that was that Leguizamo or was that the other guy? Yes. Whoever was he? That was Leguizamo yeah. that yeah. he transports through the, the chimney yes. and comes out with his torso. Yes. He's like, let me show you how it, it was works. a nice and fatality. Just, that was pretty yeah, cool. Like <laughs> it really was. Yeah. That was a very clever use of Santa magic. I would say, I'll, I will say that. Like, right. Yeah. It was so creative and like insane, but creative at the same time. So I respected it. Um, I also did think at the end, another trope they do of like, I believe in you, Santa. And it like brings him back to life or whatever. I actually thought it would have been funny and thought for a moment that he actually wasn't going to wake up and he was going to die. <laughs> and I thought that actually kind of would have been funny if it did happen that way, where it's like, oh, all right, well, this doesn't work. He died. But that's how you know right. Heather's been doing this podcast too long with the likes of me and Justin, that she just thinks it'd be funny if Santa stayed dead. <laughs> Yes, what have you guys done to me? Oh, no, I've lost my Christmas spirit. I know, after um, everyone said they believed, and he just dies. <laughs> yeah. That's just, a very sterling yeah. way to end that. We that believe in yeah. Santa. Santa? And just do like like a Metal Gear Solid. Santa? 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 Fade to black. Oh, no. Credit. I mean, have a holly jolly Christmas. <laughs> just the real happy music playing behind it, which they yeah. would do. Oh, they should have done Santa Claus is coming to town right after that. Oh, He's just man. dead, and it's Santa Claus is coming to town. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, and I don't even know if I'd say, like, it would, like, I'm not saying it would have been funny as in, like, I think that's how it should have ended. But I'm just like, I wouldn't have been surprised if that's how they would have ended how this movie went. Um, 
and it just would have been like an interesting joke to be like, no, that's not, that's not the real thing. Cause I feel like a lot of this was seeing Santa in a very different way. You know, it's just kind of like for him, it's like, this is just his day to day. This is just what he does, how he goes through life. Like, all right, I'm going to hit up the bar before I had to drive on this, you know, sled with these reindeer and like just all of that. Like it, it just was very much his, um, you know, typical day-to-day stuff he's got to do when, you know, the lore of it all is everything's so magical and great. But if you think about what is Santa's life actually like, like on a day-to-day basis, what does he do before he's out on this sled delivering these presents? And like, it was just kind of a funny concept, I think. But yeah. Um, and they don't really, yeah, explain the magic. They don't explain, cause you know, at one point he's like, you know, I've been doing this for so many years, I forgot why I was doing it, you know, and that's a, it was an interesting thing to say, but they also don't really dive into it too much either. And I I just think that that was, it's a very, very different version of Santa. Um, But it worked because it's like, it's the Santa who really still cares about bringing happiness to children and families but also very much like I'm not dealing with these bad people. So they got to go. And it was just, it, it just worked. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, there was just something about it that was just really amusing. Like I just really enjoyed how they told this story and just the very contrasting elements of, you know, the backstory of the typical Christmas things that you'd see in a movie with the upfront super violence of it. It was just really creatively done. So I appreciated that. But yeah, I mean, um, the family really, they really were kind of non-factors for the most part, but they did bring some kind of funny elements, like the really dumb guy, the really dumb like brother-in-law or whoever he was, was just, it, it just all those elements. Like you've got the very stereotypical you know, rich, spoiled family kind of thing. And the idea also that the, the, the dot, the little girl's dad is the one who actually stole the money. Like, (laughs) it's just like, where did that come from? You know? And I don't know if you guys saw that coming. I didn't see that coming. Even when you see her like read the note, I didn't, I just thought it was going to be like, Hey, I'm not going to see you again after this or something like that, you know, but I didn't know it was going to be like, I'm taking all your money and leaving this family, you know? So that was an interesting twist as well. But yeah, I, I just, I didn't see that coming either. Oh, sorry. Just to answer your question about that. No, I didn't see that coming either, but I did like it. Because they Mm -hmm. sort of played around with that trope, like you're talking about tropes, like they sort of played around with the whole, let's go away and get away from all of this trope. So it being sort of revealed that that was his plan to get away, was to steal all the money, and then so we can get away, was kind of funny how they took that trope, like what if we just go away and be a family? And it just seems like, oh, the noble guy trying to have his family and get away and do what he's supposed to do. And then he's the one stealing it. And that was the plan to get away with the money. So I did kind of like it in that way. It totally kind of fit this movie. And I like that they at least 
played around with the trope we see all the time. See, I saw it coming, but in a slightly different way. Like when they get to the scene where they open up the vault and all the money's gone and they're like, no, my inside guy said it was here. I automatically thought that he was the inside guy and that he Mm. took it. Okay. Yeah. You know, but I thought he was ultimately going to be like, well, I was responsible for it in the end. Even like it was, or something like that, where he's like the one that tipped off John Leguizamo's character and he just didn't know it was going to go to that extreme. That type of situation is what I was thinking. But I knew he had something to do with it based on his reactions. Then when it turns out the inside guy is actually the extraction team leader, I was just like, and then in my head, I just went, oh, well, then he took the money. Like, I thought he was, I didn't think he took the money when it was revealed, but I thought he was the inside guy. And then when it was revealed that he wasn't the inside guy, I was like, oh, okay, then he's the one that took the money. Okay. Uh, that's just how my logic went with it, is because of how he was acting with that stuff. With the whole, okay. with the note to the mom and all this other stuff. Like, I thought I thought his note to the mom was essentially like, fuck you, you're going to get what you deserve this year. And it, then it, everything goes too far, and he was just like, I didn't, you know. I told them the money was here, but I didn't know they were going to do all this. You know what I mean? That type of situation, right. you know. But then, yeah, like yeah. I said, once the money was gone and he wasn't the inside guy, I was like, oh, he stole the money then. Like, I knew he did something wrong. Like, I knew something about that night. He did something wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. That was just my thought process with it. And plus, to me, in a movie like that, that seemed like the logical choice. Like, as soon as they said... Like, up until that point when they revealed the vault is empty and there was an inside guy, I didn't necessarily have suspicions towards him, like, that, you know, or anything like that. It's just the way the movie was playing out, I went to, like, oh, to me, that's the most logical conclusion. Because it's not the daughter-in-law, you know, it's not, or, you know, it's not his wife. It's not the sister or her husband because they're both stupid. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, so I was like, who else would it have exactly. been? He's the only one that seemed competent enough to do something. So it wasn't yeah, like I was fair. like, you know, deducing anything. I'm like, oh, he's the only competent person that could be a piece of shit. Because like I said, the yeah. wife's competent, but she's not a piece she's a of good shit. Person. Yeah. So I, I deduced it by competent and piece of shit. So no, that's fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And the only I reason mean, why I was thinking piece of shit with him is because they did the whole thing of he didn't like take his daughter to go see Santa. You know what I mean? Like, obviously there, there were things that he wasn't prior, you know, he's the piece of shit in the Christmas movie where not prioritizing his family and this, you know, that type of thing Mm -hmm. that, that type. Yeah. I mean, and I do also agree with you too, about those moments that were supposed to be sentimental and, you know, heartwarming. They, they did do a good job of that. Um, I did also appreciate that Santa, with Trudy dynamic. I thought that was really good. And also another thing that was really, I think well done was um, at the beginning too, when, when Trudy's like asking about Santa and like wanting to talk to Santa and their solution for it, you know, just like um, giving her the, the walkie talkie and the, was, was it a walkie talkie? Whatever it was they gave her. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And you know, being like, hey, yeah, you can talk to him through this. You know, he might not respond, but he could definitely hear you. I thought that was a creative way to to do the whole, like, 
yeah, you can still talk to Santa and tell him what you want for Christmas and that whole thing. Um, Cause I, I hadn't seen that done before with like the walkie talkie thing. So I thought that was um, a cute way to kind of do that for the little girl. Um, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, I do obviously think there were some predictable things like you knew the parents were going to get back together, you know, that whole thing. But um, even with that, like with all the other like wild things they throw in this movie, you don't really care that it's predictable. And with Christmas movies, you usually expect that anyway. So it didn't really change anything for me about my feelings with this movie. So yeah. Um, that I, yeah, again, th- those are my thoughts with it, but honestly it was just the very, um, like <laughs> just the funny contrasting of the family Christmas story with the violence was just really, and then the the little girl too, just being very not really at all phased by it either. <laughs> like when she meets Santa, when she's like, yeah, let me just set these traps for these, these adults here, like just not phased by it at all. Like that was really funny to me too. She's like, all right, cool. You know, I'm going to set some traps <laughs> and it just, it, it was just very funny. So yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. I mean, one thing with this movie that I did appreciate, and I, I do appreciate it when movies do this, when the fight choreographers, it, take a character that has a very specialized weapon and then they do a good job of choreographing the fight with that type of weapon weapon and showing like if somebody does specialize in that type of weapon, the difference it can make, you know, like when he's hitting people with that hammer, but like he'd hit them and he could like, he he, he put it on their shoulder to like pull them into him, you know, like a hook type of thing, just because it does have that angle yeah. to it. And you could do that with a war hammer. You know what I mean? I like that they had those like little moments in the fight sequences because it it always makes it just a little bit of a subtle difference when when they do things like that. And I like the fact that like with the type of person David Harbour is and stuff like that, like just his bigger stockier nature, like something like a hammer makes sense, you know? And I like how then they tied it into like a Viking folklore or, you know, or a Germanic tribe folklore type of thing where, you know, it's that Viking war hammer type of scenario. And then I like that he didn't get his hammer. I did expect him to pull his hammer out of the bag at one point. (laughs) I thought he was going to like before his bag got burned, you know, and he tells the story of it. I thought he was going to end up pulling the, the hammer out of the bag. Uh, you know, kind of like it was the, the the gift he needed type of logic or something. But I yeah. like the fact that he just found a sledgehammer and went, yeah, this will do. And started just wrecking people with it. I thought yeah. that was great. But I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Whenever the sleigh comes at the end with all the reindeers and he does yeah. get his hammer, I was kind of like, damn, man, he should have got that earlier. I wish that. <laughs> We could have saw him use that one, but, but, but yeah, it still worked. It still worked, but they sort of just, made me want it because they showed it, you know, they showed yeah. that the reindeers could bring it to him. So I also just thought that was funny. Like how he talked to the reindeer, 
instead of just like the how you expect Santa to, to be with his reindeer he's just like come on guys like let's get it together and like it, it was just funny and at the end too when he's like you guys went back and you got this for me and just it was just very funny to me I, I appreciated yeah. that he he kind of had that that moment with them at the end and I wish that the reindeer could have got in on the violence I mean shoot this I is the kind of this, this would have been the perfect movie to have some reindeer violence so yeah killer reindeer I'm kicking somebody off of a roof or something and Flying, you know, antlers, yeah, yeah, the antlers flying around and kicking people. Man, that would have been tight. Maybe there'll be a sequel. Yeah. We'll see. I'm surprised <laughs> they didn't do that, honestly. Yeah, or at least the whole thing of like at the end, kind of maybe have him pinned behind a wall and a bunch of people shooting at him and all this other stuff, and the reindeer just come and ram through a bunch of people, and it's like a bloody mess of like people getting run over by a sleigh and gored by antlers and all yep. this shit and he takes yeah. out like some of the people and then he's able and he runs over to his sleigh and he finds the note from miss claus and he gets skull crusher that's in the sleigh and then he fights john leguizamo and that other guy in the end but with skull crusher that, that would have been, cool. been cool you know yeah. what i mean maybe that sledgehammer could have got destroyed and all that and then yeah so, oh, no, I lost my weapon. And then, yeah, the reindeers bail him out. That would have been cool. And then, yeah, like on top of it, it's also Skull Crusher, you know. Right. So that's that was that'd be one of the things I'd suggest with it. You know what I mean? But it's still not a terrible thing. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you no. get some of the, But I kind of agree with you, Justin, since they showed me Skull Crusher. I should have gotten Skull Crusher. Yeah, you just wanted it. That would be like getting to the end of the of what Infinity War, and Thor gets, you know, Stormbreaker and doesn't use it. Like, yeah, it's, yeah I, I get what you're saying. Like, <laughs> yeah, you see it in the flashbacks. Okay, that didn't necessarily necessitate it being in the movie because it was in the flashbacks. I get that, but then you show it to me at the end, so I'm yeah. like. What's he going to use it on now? You know what I mean? Like, are we going to get Violent Night 2? The, you know, the real naughty list or whatever, where he just goes around the world <laughs> killing terrorists or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, now what can you do? Although you know? I say then, that, I said that like it was ridiculous. I actually kind of want to see that movie. Right? I know that actually is not a bad premise. And then he could have had some sort of cool, like, Santa E armor or something, you know, he could have had, there could have been a helmet that was the, you know, the Santa Claus hat, but it's like an armored helmet, something you could have really went crazy with this. You you could have really went crazy under the suit. Yeah. Like you could have really went crazy with what the reindeers came back with. Like, but it's all good. But yeah, I digress. No, I agree, Justin. It's not a, <laughs> A terrible thing with it. You know, the whole idea of like, because like, I liked some of the things, like whenever he takes off the Santa jacket and stuff and, and, and like the vest is leather, you know what I mean? Like there were some yeah. touches in there to like, see him go sleeveless with just that leather vest on, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And you know, also something the like fact that. that Santa had tattoos was pretty funny. Not the first example. 
of that. That movie, The Guardians, that CG animated movie, uh, there's Santa's a big tattooed like Russian guy in those movies. Oh, okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's got naughty and nice tattooed on his knuckles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, I just, I mean, yeah, I do want to see a movie now where he just goes around the world killing people. Be like, my naughty list is too big. Time to cut some pages out. <laughs> Massacre. <laughs> uh, one thing, too, I want to touch on. The one little bit of Christmas magic that this movie kind of explained, I actually did appreciate a little bit. And that's why people don't always, like, remember or think that Santa exists. Because, like, it gives the criteria of why kids get some gifts from him. Like adults, you know, they do that stuff, but he's like, well, if you believe and you're on the nice list and you need it, then you get a gift from Santa. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's that, like, there, there's those criteria with it. And I think that whole, like, little bit of that extra and you need it, you know, is why yeah. some people just forget that Santa exists. Because then, you know, at some point they stopped needing it and then they stopped believing. You know what I mean? Like, it's like a a tapered effect type of thing. Mm. So that was the one little bit, because I think that that's the one little bit of lore you can tweak a little bit to make something make sense. You know what I mean? They didn't try to fuck with the whole time-space continuum and that's why he could go, you know, to multiple houses, any of that shit. You know, they don't fuck with any of that, but they fucked with that one little bit. And I think it makes a little bit of sense because you take a movie like the Santa Claus and they don't really do a good job of explaining why no adult remembers that Santa exists. Yeah. You know what I mean? And most movies fail at that. They're like, oh my God, but Santa is real. It's like, that would mean he's giving gifts to people and people are just then thinking they bought them, I guess. You know what I mean? I'm like, do the parents just think they buy the Santa gifts? They're like, oh, I don't remember getting that. I guess my wife got it. You know, like, is it that? Like, all these movies do a shitty explanation behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And I I like that this one kind of made a little bit of sense with it. Because, like, there are characters that probably do need it. Like, maybe John Leguizamo's character needed it. But then at the same time, he might have been on the naughty list. You know what I mean? So it's that little extra bit of criteria that kind of tailors it to why it makes sense in the end. And yeah, that makes sense too. Cause if you think about it too, when he is confronted with Leguizamo and the other guys, he's like, he's like, Oh, I'm sorry for what you had to experience, but what's you guys' excuse. <laughs> so it was kind of like, I get that you're a bad person, but I'm understanding why you're a bad person you two are just bad people, you know? But it was kind of funny when that one guy was like, oh shit, he, he really is Santa though. But then he gets yeah. a, he gets a nail through the chin. Right. <laughs> you guys got any more thoughts about this movie? Nope. Nope. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. We are Cinema Slayers podcast on Facebook. I didn't do that right. We are www.cinemaslayers.com on the internet. 
We're Cinema Slayers Podcast on Facebook. We're Cinema Underscore Slayers on Instagram and I guess Twitter. Because people have started following us more on Twitter ever since I stopped dropping that in there because it's a hellscape. Um, Cinema Slayers Pod on TikTok. At Cinema Slayers Pod on YouTube. Uh, shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Ochoa for our theme song and logos respectively. Give us a five-star rating review. We'd really appreciate it. Also hit that little... Uh, subscription button on YouTube and that like button and that bell notification and all the typical YouTube bullshit. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, and tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love David Harbour, obviously fair, fair and accurate. But most of all, just remember here at the Simba Slayers podcast, we are both pro slut and pro Sydney. And as I was in the TikToks, the YouTube videos, and this podcast. Just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. I also liked how um, he would, uh, when he would go to houses and eat cookies or drink milk, he had certain one things that he didn't like, like, oh, this is... Uh, this is skim milk, <laughs> you know, who leaves yeah. skim milk for Santa Claus. So some of that, even that was kind of funny how some stuff he would eat and some stuff he would just find disgusting. Some stuff and just like, be like, what the hell is this? You know? <laughs> yeah. When he great. would like relax in the chair and he's just like enjoying the massage chair or whatever, just chilling yeah. in their home. Yeah. Uh, I do want to bring something up real quick. I said I couldn't remember the man's name earlier. Uh, the inventor of the microphone is Emil Berliner. He was a Jewish man that did invent the microphone. Oh, nice. Okay. Cool. Um, it was also used in the first telephone. Um, but I also want to give credit to James West, who is more or less considered the inventor and father of the modern microphone, which is the like electric uh, condenser microphone, essentially, which most microphones are. We don't use those because they're not good for broadcasting purposes. But most microphones out there nowadays are uh, condenser microphones, and he is the inventor of that. So I want to give him credit, too. All right. Cool. Another Mr. West. And he is a black man, too. There we go. So, weirdly enough, microphones exist because of a Jewish man and a black man, two people that Hitler would have hated. Just throwing that out there. Yay. Right. Just remember, the actual inventors of the microphone. Hitler would have hated them. Just saying. Just throwing that out there. Oh, yay. Oh, yay. Anyway, 